So before we kind of all get scattered, my message won't take too long. With, without a doubt, we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for these people that are engaged in war. Now, this is what I'll tell you, that every donkey in the world will rise up and want to write books and have a prophetic movement. And I'm just telling you, for, for you that have not been in church long, let me give you a rundown about what's going on. Back, back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a great movement about the second coming of Christ. Because they used in 1948, they used the parable of the fig tree as the generation that Christ would come. So somewhere between 48 and 50s and 60s and 70s and closer you got to 80s, there was a great revival and great movement. And, and they, people would come in and ministry would come in and banners everywhere. And they would have all types of second coming and the second advent. And boy, they had it down pat and had people stirred up. But as you see, he didn't come. As a matter of fact, in 1988, when they should have come, and that was the year it was going to come, we had a church across the road here that people turned in their car keys or their house keys because they weren't going to be there Monday. And Monday morning, they couldn't get the church door to get their car keys back. I'm not that guy. Some of you quickly forget that Unfortunately, that they have been battling since Jacob and Esau. And some of us quickly forget in the early 40s that six million Jews that was marked with Hitler's marking on their forehead or their hands was massacred. And those people, without a doubt, at that moment thought by, with valid and warranted information that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. Six million, folks. So all I will tell you this, that we are living in the last days, whatever the last days may be. But I will tell you one thing, that we just need to pray for these people, stand firm in the faith. And I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're not going to panic on anything. We are the people of God and we are going to stay firm and secure in the things of God. And we're not going to sell books here. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't have a signing outside the door here. I'm not going to tell you when Jesus come because if I did, I would be lying. He said in Acts chapter one, it is not for you to know the times or seasons of my kingdom. I just need you to be filled with the spirit. That's what he said. So that's what we're going to do. And when he comes, he'll come and we'll know it. And the Bible said, we'll all see him and we will know him as he is. So until that time, what are we going to do? We're going to continue on. But we need to pray for these people. We need to pray for everybody. We need to pray for these young men, young men, soldiers. They're going to go door to door. We just need to pray for them. And, uh, and I, I do believe that God has a plan for Israel. If you don't know anything about any type of eschatology, we know that God's not quite through with Israel and, and, the, and the bad part about it, before you get excited about it, it's not going to be good for the first seven years, but God has a plan for them. And so when I get back, if you don't leave the church, <laughs> I was giving my wife, she asked me a question. She never asked me. She goes, well, what about this? What about that? Well, you know, I'll let the hammer down on her. 
And so you can look it up. It all hinges is when Revelations was written. Because some of you think that because the Catholic Church got a hold of it, that they, they moved the date of the revelation of John on the island Patmos in the 90s. But the first writers in the first centuries, the first and second century, Jerome and Clement all said that he wrote it before the destruction of Jerusalem. And if that is the case, then, well, I'll tell you about it when I get home. Because now then you understand why Paul said we're living the last days because in four years, Rome would absolutely destroy the Christian community. So we'll talk about that, but not today. I know a lot about the Old Testament. I don't, I don't talk about it much because I speak a lot on the New Testament. But I think this morning that we kind of, the thing about the Old Testament, it, it connects and it links and it overlays perfectly with the New Testament because as the scripture says, that everything that was spoken in the pages of this book is written of me. The cloud of glory that was found in Exodus 40 and Numbers 9 was the crowning gem to the finished work of Moses. The cloud. The finished work of Moses was referred to as the tabernacle. About three weeks ago, somebody asked me, do I know anything about the tabernacle? I said, you don't want, you don't want to know. I'll, I know a lot about it. I understand the articles and the artifacts and the colors and the coverings. And oh, it's wonderful. The silver sockets. I mean, it's, all, it's neat. Badger skins. Badger skins. And when you saw it walk across the desert, it looked like it looked like a walking badger, all discolored, all unmarked with different shades and degrees. And it's a wonderful type of the body of Christ. We're all different. Turn to somebody and say, you're different. I'll tell you right now. But it was on the inside that the colors changed. It was on the inside that the articles changed. Colors of blue and purple and scarlet. But on the outside, it was just a, a plain, ordinary rough-looking, discolored, walking armadillo across the desert. Exodus 39 and 40, the chapters, it records 17 times that the words, according to the Lord, God commanded Moses. 17 times. reason why that's so important for me to tell you that is because Moses was obedient to the word of the Lord. There's a work to be done, and Moses knew the work to be done, but he had to be obedient to exactly the specifications that God's holding the bill. No different today. We've got to be obedient to God. We cannot be a disobedient church. We, we have got to be obedient to God and with his word. If you don't know what it, his word says, then show up to a Sunday school class or a Bible study or see if you can endure with me for 40 minutes on the, each Sunday morning, but we've got to be obedient because it's a finished work that needs to be completed. So Moses finally finished the work. Matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 33, it says this. And he reared up or raised up the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set it up hanging the court gate. So Moses finished the work. He's done. 
He built the tabernacle. He built it exactly the way that God told him. Not the temple, but the tabernacle. So it's done. It's over. Remember in creation, God said, I'm done. It's finished. There's nothing more to do to improve on the thing. And when God said he's finished, it was, he was tired. He rested. He wasn't tired. He said, I was through. Don't do anything. Don't, don't mess this thing up. Even with Jesus said, it is finished. He said, I've done the work of God. Don't touch it. Don't mess it up. Don't bring in your works of, of self-righteousness to mess this thing up. Just leave it alone. My blood is sufficient for your salvation. So he's finished. So now what? Was God through with him? Absolutely not. So now what? So what's the next step? So here's the next step. Same chapter. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 and 35. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter to the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode or lid thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So we have this tabernacle that was completed. And it was completed according to the word of God commanded. It was exactly right. Now just hear me out. Any, anybody with long ears in a, in, a, in, a, in a brain voice can start a church. Anybody can get a crowd. You, 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 can, hire, you can hire singers from Las Vegas to come and, and perform and you'll get a crowd. But with that crowd, you'll get spirits. Ooh, baby. You'll get them. As a matter of fact, we get them here all the time. And so the idea of this is that, that we have to build a building. We have to build. We're doing something. We're, we're, we're constructing a, a unit here that people can come and gather. But it's got to be according to the word of God, not the opinions of religious people. We've got to get it right according to the word of God. And if you'll do that, then guess what happens? God will show up. Amen. Long time ago, Don Jackson, he's dead now. But he told me he came here one time for a wedding. He used to own Colonel Sanders. I've known him all my life. He walked in there one time, had a wedding. He said, you know what? He said, if you'll, if you'll brick this thing, and he said, if you'll put your big old cross on top, you'll get some people in here. And I looked at him. I said, well, first of all, I don't care if I get people in here. I just want God in here. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is not hindered by metal. His kryptonite is not, his kryptonite is not metal building. He don't have to just enter to a brick building. And I understand what he was saying, but he said, if, if you want to draw a crowd, make it look like a church, put a sign on the church, put your name out there, put your picture. No, don't put your picture out there. Make it look like a church and you'll get people. And I said, you don't understand. I'm not trying to get people in there. I'm trying to get God in here. And the way you do that is that you do exactly what God has commanded us. And it may, it may, it may frustrate some, not that you've ever been frustrated here. So the glory cloud, which is referred to as the Shekinah glory, speaks of the ever presence of the Holy Spirit, which guides and governs us today. And we know this in John 14, John 14, 16, John 14, 26, and John 16, 7 through 14, we know the Holy Spirit teaches us and we know the Holy Spirit guides us. So he finished this tabernacle and when he did exactly what God had told him, the cloud moved in. 
the glory of the Lord moved in. There is no glory of the Lord unless you do it the way God commanded you to do it. Understand? So if my ship sinks, you need to hear this today. This is not about gathering people off the street. This is about assembling ourselves together. There's a difference between gathering people here and assembling us. Because a jigsaw puzzle is gathered in a box, but it's not assembled. I'm not interested in just gathering here, and I'm glad you gathered, but I'm doing my very best to assemble us together. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors, but we all have the ability in God's plan is to come together. So Moses finished the work, and the cloud showed up. The cloud was the crowning gem of God's blessing him for his divine obedience. The Lord God led Israel out of Egypt by this cloud. And the Bible says he gave them light, warmth, and shade. And here it is, Exodus 13, 21, and 22. They moved from Succoth, which is the camp of Etham, at the edge of the wilderness. And God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them on the way and at night, a pillar of fire to give them light. And thus they could continue to go forward. Both, both traveled day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Watch this. Never left the people. That's the Holy Spirit. If you're of God, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. Never leave you. He's here to do two things in your life. He's here to govern you and guide you. Odigo is the word for God. He's a trusted tour guide. He's here. The Holy Spirit is sent by God that this Holy Spirit is the, is the crowning gem of the work of Christ in our life. And he's here because on your own and by yourself, I've always said this, loneliness is not the lack of affection. Loneliness is the lack of direction. Because you can be surrounded by people who love you and you still feel lonely. But when you have direction of where God wants you to go and where God wants you to be, it's a wonderful feeling. See? So, the message for Israel was this. Follow that cloud. That's simple. God's basically saying this. Just follow the cloud. You hear me say that a thousand times. Follow the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in all truth. He'll never contradict the word. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the words of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in the business of leading you and guiding you and governing your life on the inside. And if you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, and somebody says, well, if I get it, will it make me goofy? No, you're already goofy. It's this inner awareness of the consciousness of God moving and, and separating some things in your life. And so we ain't got time for that. But he said, follow the cloud. Here it is. Here's the word. Numbers chapter 9, verse 22. Let's get it in the word. Whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up or lifted up or went on, they would journey with it. He said, it don't matter if it's two days, three days, when he's going to come. I don't know, but just stay put. You know, we as Christians, we got ADD. You know, we, we always got to be doing something. You know, we're, 
Not necessarily. Just stay put. The hardest thing in our, in our Christian walk is to be still and let God prove to you that he is God. I didn't say God was going to change your situation. I said God will change you. Somebody's lied to you. So, oh, yeah, if I fast and pray and hold my breath, God will give me what I want. After you pass out and we revive you. No. Prayer and fasting changes our heart. So he said, this is what he said, that the pillar and the cloud and the pillar of fire day and night. And whether it be two days, one month or one year, it did not matter. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to have is that one little four letter word with about nine letters in it. It's called patience. Ooh, I hate that word. But I will tell you, this is the way the mechanics of God is, is it is. He just sent his Holy Spirit. He knows where we need to go. He knows where we need to stay put. He knows the car that would have run over you if, if you'd have left 30 minutes before. That's why he said, why don't you leave a little early? Little did you know. How often do we, do we mistake that something that, is, that we feel like is a mistake, it was assignment by God. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. You don't know this, but I'll tell you, you don't care. There is an electrical panel right here. It's three-phase. And it's about the size of that speaker on the back. It's a big one. In Spanish, it's called big one. <laughs> El grande. <laughs> and there's another breaker box right above. The, I'm not sure what you call it, but Steve knows. But it's, it's, it's a panel box. We, we, we got wires going everywhere. We were running wire and conduit from here to there. Now, Dan's electrician, what I'm telling you is true. We had a 100-foot steel snake. Now, I don't mean like a snake, but it's a steel snake. It's a strap. And we were shoving it up in metal conduit through there to get to right where the letter H is. And so we had already made one run. It's hard to shove those things up there, but we were, I had it, didn't have any gloves on. I was talking to a bunch of people running around here. And there was no door there and the breaker box, the cover was off. So it's, it's we call live buzz bar. It's live. You, if you touch it, it's bye-bye. Yeah, it's a big one in that closet. Don't go in there. <laughs> and we'd already shoved, there's about eight or 10 of us guys in here. And we'd already shove up, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I was shoving wire through there and, and, and I had it in a steel conduit and I had that steel tape barehanded. And, and all of a sudden, my dad walked up. And this stage wasn't here, of course. And my dad walked up and he said something to me. And when I turned around, that steel tape hit that live buzz bar. And it sounded like a cannon going off. And I really, now my dad had a little accident in his khaki, so we're not going to talk about that. It wasn't much. Fire went everywhere. I hit that live buzz bar with a steel tape, a steel snake, and it never harmed me. It should have killed me. My dad left. He, he, he was crying. 
The idea of some things that the Holy Spirit helps us when we do dumb things. So that's why this cloud was so important that he said, whether it be two days, one month, one year, it doesn't matter. Go when it goes and stays when it doesn't. So that same cloud moved with these people all the way to Solomon's temple. Same cloud, just one cloud. And as long as these people were honoring God, the very best that, that leadership would take them, it made it all the way to Solomon's temple. Matter of fact, in 1 Kings chapter number 8, verses 10 and 11 says this, and it came to pass when the priest would come out of the holy place, which is the temple, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. This is Solomon's temple. Now, for some of you that are pretty good Bible students, it remained there for nearly 600 years until Ezekiel chapter 9, the abomination and the pollution of the altars of the temple. And the cloud left, and it never would ever return to a material temple again. I'm going to say that to you slowly. In Ezekiel chapter 9, when these people began to pollute the altars, and desecrate the temple. God dealt with them with a few prophets, and God dealt with them through Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, the Bible says, Kenny, preached to them brow to brow. I mean, he got right up in their grill. And they're often blood sacrifices and pagan practices and It's no, longer, it's no longer the sacrificial offering of Christ in church today. It's other things. And I'm here to tell you, we've got to be very careful. I'm interested in the glory of God remaining in this small sanctuary. In Ezekiel chapter 9, God said, I had enough. And he left. And for 600 years, forever, forever, that the cloud would never, ever go back into a material temple again. Never. So where did it go? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Some 600 years later, it appears back on the same, the same cloud. We find it on Mount Transfiguration. It reappeared. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Let's read it. Yet while he spake, Jesus, behold, a bright cloud, the same cloud. Here we go. Here it is. Overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. It would behoove us to listen to Jesus. And I know we got the three stooges up there with them, and all they're doing is creating chaos and and he didn't make that mistake again. He took them the first time. It's like taking your children to a business meeting. Don't do that. You know, they'll ask, they'll say dumb questions. They'll say stuff like, my daddy blows bubbles in the bathtub. And you don't want anything like that to be said. So, so here's the cloud. It's been gone for 600 years, and here it is. It overshadows Christ. It overshadows him. Now, the word transfiguration is not actually the mountain. The word is called metamorphosis, and meta means 
by definition means across to something and morphe means to change. Jesus is changing across into his divine side. They'd never seen that. So he goes to this mountain and he takes them with him and he looks around and he said, what's this? Or y'all hang on. And he starts unbuttoning his clothes. And the Bible said the light was so great around him. The question is, where was this cloud? Did it just bop down from heaven? And the answer is no. When he began to disrobe, the cloud came out of him. You're fixing that. You're fixing to understand some things. Back in the Old Testament, they, they waited for external things to happen. And Jesus said, it's not external anymore. The cloud's on the inside. Ooh. I'm not looking for physical things to, to move me. What moves me is what's living in my mortal body now. And Jesus did. He stood up. And, and when he started to unclothe or he had his boxers on, his T-shirt on, and, and all of a sudden this cloud overshadowed him. It, it, was, it was in him. He was the fullness of the Godhead. The glory of the Lord was in him and on him and around him. Fleshly body housed the thing. But I will tell you, he said, what you're seeing is, is who I really am. I'm just, I'm just trapped within a fleshly body. But the day will come where this fleshly body, as Paul says in Corinthians 15, this fleshly body, this tabernacle will lay down. And my spiritual tabernacle shall arise. So transfiguration means he was changing across into something. So by that fact, Jesus was the true temple. Jesus was the true tabernacle. And he was overshadowed by this cloud as a sign of God's approval and anointing upon his life. When I get back, we'll talk about it. Jesus even said that he said, you can, they said, give us a sign. I said, here's a sign. You can tear down this temple. But three days, my father will build it back up. Well, he wasn't, and they, and, and they said, blasphemy. He is going to detonate and implode the temple. And he wasn't talking about that temple. He was talking about he is the true temple. He is the true tabernacle. What's the tabernacle? A place where God dwells. The fullness of God was already in him because when he undid his shirt or his clothing, he was overshadowed by this cloud. The fullness of God was already in him. And when they saw that, they couldn't deal with this. So they just said, what do we do with this? Do we build altars? And all of a sudden, the Lord removed Moses Elijah, and he said, forget it. You're a lost cause. So, so the cloud, which represents God's divine glory, in relationship to Christ, the true tabernacle or the true temple, we see it several times in Scripture. Number one, a bright cloud of glory overshadowed Jesus, Matthew 17 and 5. A cloud is seen in his ascension back to heaven, Acts 1 and 9. Christ is clothed with a white cloud, Revelations 10 and 1. Christ is seated upon a cloud of glory, Revelations 14. Christ will return in a cloud of glory, Luke 21, 27. Christ and his saints shall appear in clouds of glory. Matthew 24, Mark 14, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, Hebrews 12, 
and there's others. The glory of God that was in that cloud was the divine vehicle to lead Israel to the promised land. And for us today, that same cloud that shrouded Jesus will lead us to the Father and our eternal rest with Christ. So what's up with this cloud business? So in Psalms chapter 68, there's a statement that David writes, and he writes this, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. David wasn't the original author of these words. Moses was. David just repeated it. Numbers 10, 34, and 35. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day, and when they went out from the camp. And so it was when the ark was set out that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and all, and let those who hate you flee before you. So here's the Bible lesson this morning. That for, for almost 40 years that we had this cloud leading these people from out of Egypt into the promised land, which was Canaan. And that was their governing light. That was their direction. That was, and he said, follow that cloud. Moses finished the work of the tabernacle. That part of, of, of redemption is over. Now then we, we have somewhere to go. Follow the cloud. And so the Bible says and tells us the book of Numbers that when the priest would blow the trumpets, that God was ready to go and God was on the move. That the people of Israel had 72 hours to pack up, load up and get ready to go within 72 hours. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. Have you ever tried to move in three days? Oh man, I'm, we're still moving. So here's how it goes. The people are out of Egypt. They're following God. God is taking care of them. And whether it be two days or one year or one month, we read the verse, God said, you don't go until the cloud goes. So the priest would blow the trumpet. When God would inform Moses, it's time to go, the police would blow the trumpet and the people would hear the trumpet and they knew they had 72 hours because God was moving. And let God arise and his enemies shall be scattered. When God is arising and moving, every demon and devil in hell is afraid of what God making progress forward into this world. So kind of keep in mind for 35 years or 38 years, this process and cycle that goes on and on and on, whether it be two days or, or a month or a year, who knows? He said he didn't know. And so one day, Danny, Sherry, and they're the oldest in the church. She's not, he is for sure. And, and they've been following God for 38 years. And I mean, she's tired of packing. She's living out of a suitcase. And oh, I'm just telling you, I mean, we're just 
We eat in Quail Manor every day, but after 30-something years, our kids are getting big and old, and finally one day, the trumpet blows, and they're in a kind of a nice place. Uh, there's, a, there's a little stream right over in the corner, and we have a few trees in the back. And Sherry looks at Danny, and she said, this is a great place we could settle down. I know the trumpet just blew, and I, I know we got to go, but let's just stay here. Let's just stay here. I mean, God has been faithful through the years. I understand, but, but look, I mean, there's, there's, there's clean water. I mean, there, there's trees. I mean, just there's no clean water, but there's, there's trees everywhere. I mean, just stay here. And he said, okay, because he always does what his wife says. I know that for a fact, I think. But anyway, so Danny comes to the leadership and he said, you know, we're going to stay. We love y'all. We've enjoyed being with y'all. And I know you got to go because the cloud's moving, but we're going to stay. And they watch him go off into a distance. And Sherry said, don't worry about it. I'll be right back. I'll go get morning breakfast. And she comes back empty-handed. The quail and the manna is gone. because the cloud is gone. She said, I know it's hot because, because the Bible says that the cloud gave them shade from the sun. And she said, I'll be right back. I'll go find that rock or Rephidim and I'll bring you back a quality H2O. And she comes back empty-handed. There's no water because the rock is gone. And that night, it is so bitter cold in the desert because the pillar fire is gone. You see, when God leaves and moves, you can stay behind if you want to, but His provisions and His protections will always go with Him. And I don't need you to raise your hand. I'm not even looking at you. But we as Christians, we know what it's like to let God go ahead and we stay behind thinking that we got it. And it's a cold, dark, lonely, empty feeling when God moves without us. That guy says, you'll, you'll fill your pockets, but you'll always be broke. You'll fill your stomachs, but you'll always be hurting. Why? Because that you have abandoned the things of God to make sure your own physical things were maintained. When God moves, His provisions, the quail, the manna, the water, the shade, the electric heater goes with Him. And I will tell you, all of us have experienced that. And some of you may be there right now. But I will tell you, I'm gonna encourage you, if I make it back from my ship, follow God. Follow God. 
I know, I know it's possible for you to build a camp and have a setting and construct something and say, you know, I'll have my own meeting here and we're going to be. But if God's not in it, it's a cold and empty and dark tin building. So this is what it says in Romans 8 and 14, the Message Bible. God's Spirit beckons us. There are things to do and places to go. And this is what I leave you with this morning. Let us rise up and let us follow that cloud. So when I get back, I'll tell you what the cloud is. I'm going to tell you what it does. Father, this morning that we have a great example and we have a great roadmap of that it was a finished work of Moses of the tabernacle, which was a earthly temporary tabernacle. It was a shadow of your son Jesus to come, the true tabernacle. But you gave them a, a cloud to follow. You gave them a cloud to guide them. It was shade in the blistering hot summer. It was a pillar of fire of warmth at night. Now some 3,000 years later from that time that we are still your sons and daughters and we're still pursuing you and following you the best that we can, but we need help. We need a lot of help. We have 9,000 people telling us to go in 9,000 different directions. And, but we know this one thing for true, it's a lonely world without you. It's a cold, empty place without your presence. We may have ideas, we may have information, we may have degrees, we may have doctrinal degrees, we may have all kinds of materialistic things that we have earned and learned, but if we don't have you, it means nothing. So this morning, we're gonna to continue to follow your Holy Spirit. And for everyone in this place this morning that is hurting and they're lonely and they're lost, we understand. And we just want to encourage one another that we must continue to follow the cloud of the Holy Spirit that shrouds the person of Jesus. May God be near to you this morning. May God be close to you this morning. While you're driving down the road thinking that life doesn't really have any meaning or value, it doesn't. Only God gives meaning to life. And a relationship with His Son Christ validates. So Father, this morning, we're just gonna honor you and we're going to do exactly what Israel did. We're going to follow your Holy Spirit that's in agreement to your son's Jesus. 
And we give you thanks for it in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, amen. If you believe that this morning, stand to give the Lord a praise offering, would you please? Amen. God is good. Man. And you know what? He loves you. And that's why he sent his son. And that's why he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us. Communion servers, please make your way forward. You are not alone. You are not alone. God still fills his people with this glory crowd. And this cloud represents the fullness and the, the glory of the Lord that's placed within the hearts of men and women. And because God's so interested in you, he surrounded you with people that are so filled with his spirit to encourage you and to motivate you to continue to follow the cloud. That night, Jesus said with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup. And he said, for thousands of years since the first Passover, you've taken and celebrated these two sacraments, the bread. Jesus records it in John 6. My father poured bread from heaven and your fathers did eat of it, but they hungered. But if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread. And then he lifted up the cup, which is the third cup, the cup of redemption that night. And he said, as a tradition in the first Passover, they would take the, the blood of the lamb and, the, and they would place in the shape of a cross upon the doorpost that the death angel, the Abaddon, would pass over when they saw the blood upon the doorpost. He said, I am the Lamb of God now, which takes the sins of the world away. And my Father will take my blood in the place of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, for all that you've done for us, thank you. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and directing us and speaking to our lonely hearts. Thank you. Thank you because the cloud never left them. You've never left us. Thank you. Encourage this morning to continue to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.